Hi, and welcome to the Milk and Coffee Podcast, your coffee break for the ears. My name is Ava, and I want to invite you to slow down, simplify, and explore the art of cozy living with me. This is your invitation to embrace a more nourishing way of being. So grab a cup and get comfortable. I'm so happy you are here. Hi, and welcome back to the Milk and Coffee Podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here with me. And this year I have decided to switch things up a little bit. It was very dear to my heart to include more um, interviews. Um, and at the same time, make the podcast a little bit more sustainable for me in times of um, the time and energy I put in. So what this is going to look like right now is that I'm trying to do one episode a month that is just me, just kind of what we're used to and what you came to love. And then one episode a month that is what I hope to be um, a very nourishing conversation. I think there's going to be a lot of benefits in that. Mostly, I am super excited about it. I have so many people um, on my list that I just cannot wait to invite to my podcast and just have these beautiful conversations um, for myself. And then also, hopefully, you know, it will help with the reach of my podcast. But of course, I want you to have a beautiful experience and have these conversations that are not too long, that kind of cut straight to the point, but are nourishing and kind of and envelop you like a warm hug. So for my first interview this year, I invited Kat Farrell Davis onto the podcast. Kat is a wonderful beautiful, wise woman that I've met last year when we did the Pause Maine. She is a poet, writer, and mother that lives in Maine. And today we're going to talk about poetry, what it means to be a poet, how we can include poetry in our lives, like each and one of us. And we're, of course, because this is a podcast for mothers, First and foremost, we are going to spin the connection between poetry and motherhood. I have greatly enjoyed this conversation, and Kat and I talked for a whole another hour after the recording was finished. I just enjoy her presence and the way she expresses herself so very much, and I really hope you do too. I'm going to link all her information in the show notes, and I hope you have a beautiful episode enjoy. Hi Kat, good morning. It's so good having you on the podcast today. I was wondering if you just um, want to say a couple words about yourself to introduce yourself to my listeners. Yes. Hi Ava. I'm so grateful that you asked to chat today. Um, I'm Kat Farrell Davis and I am a poet and a mother and I feel like I'm 10,000 things at any given moment, um, but those are the two definitions that sit closest to my heart, to the center of my being. And I also work at a Lifeways school part-time, and I just write every minute of every day that I can get, which aren't too many these days, but 
I feel always like striving. Yeah. <laughs> so I I thought it would be nice since you know I have a poet on the show today. If you could start us off with a poem that has been really moving you lately. Oh yes, I I'm never. I never have a shortage for poems that are moving me. Um, the poem that I'm sitting with is by a poet named Britt Washburn. And she is a poet who is very near and dear to me. I actually got to work with her for a while back when I lived in North Carolina. And um, her work has been incredibly impactful. So I'll read today's poem. And I think I actually shared it with you recently. Um, but I'll share it again. This is called... At 63, my mother. Still equal parts, fire and water, earth and air, she asks, if we had to choose between never again sharing our bed with anyone or never again sleeping deeply, deliciously alone, which would we elect? Would it be better never again to hold or be held or to be forever kept too close, touched too much, as if by beggars or needy children, their little hands, the pawing claws of small feral cats, their mouths, the beaks of ravenous baby birds, obscenely open, cheeping, incessantly, insistently, like the voices in our heads or the very voice of God we wouldn't be rid of but nor can we bear to go on hearing moon after moon. Though we can't know either what goes on after, the chorus of questions unanswered, or the deafening silence, the longing to be braided with one other body or the need to be let be. That's beautiful. That also- it's me and all. That also had me- very moved and, you know, if not close to tears. And I think how fitting really for the listeners of this podcast, you know, particularly beautiful. Kat, that just kind of leads me right into this question. Well, I guess I should back up a little bit. Um, I was, when I first met you last summer, I was just, loving the fact that you came up and you said I'm Kat and I'm a poet and how did you come to be a poet and and what gave you what gives you the continued courage to call yourself that because I know as mothers we struggle um you know with identity and especially I think we're so used to just always holding back and you know beating around the bush and like oh I write a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, like, but you just said, I'm a poet and I love that. Ah, uh, that's like the question of a lifetime. And I feel like the answer changes all the time um, because we're always becoming different versions of ourselves every different day or every other day. Um, and motherhood demands that of us. Um, so in 2019, I was working at a nonprofit yoga studio. And this is when I met that poet, Britt Washburn. It's also when I met her best friend, Holly Wren Spaulding, who lives in Maine. Um, So, you know, cross-country people, 
what are the odds that I would meet either of them? Um, and essentially I was invited to the party of this book of poetry coming out, Brit Washburn's notwithstanding. And so I show up at this house where I know no one and there are all these poets there, all these writers. And I meet her friend, Holly. Um, and Holly has become kind of my poetry mentor in life. Um, and she says, hi, I'm Holly. Who are you? And I say, oh, hi, I'm Kat. She's like, Kat, what do you do? And I say, well, I'm a yoga instructor and I do this and that, what have you. But I really want to be a poet. And <laughs> she was like, let me stop you right there. You already are one. And we're not going to beat around the bush and do this whole thing where like, you think that you're going to be one one day, you already are one. And I just had this moment of like, <gasps> it was like affronting, but also extremely validating. At the same time, I was kind of like really thrown back by this comment. Um, and it, it almost felt like the sky fell a little closer to my being in that moment, like the world shifted. And in that moment, I knew something had changed for me. Um, and from that moment on, I led with, I'm a poet because I was already writing in my notebook. I've been writing since I was a young child. And I feel like with the definition of poet, even if you're not actively writing, being a poet demands like a specific way of interacting with the world and looking at the world. So I find that I meet so many poets who might not be writing quintessential poems, but they are moving with awareness and mindfulness and noticing the small details and telling other people about it in their own unique way. And as such, I think a lot of us are poets. Um, so I think that moment is the moment I really stepped into the definition. And then I've just kind of been honing my definition of poet ever since then. Um, so I kind of didn't go too far into my background during the intro, but I'm also a matrescence guide and a postpartum facilitator. And I just feel like having learned so much about motherhood, especially the early years of motherhood, poetry and motherhood just go together, you know, because we, we have to be so mindful. We have to move with such awareness in both of these roles. And I just feel like poetry is a tool that is for mothers. You know, I know it wasn't designed specifically for us. It just exists because beauty exists and language exists, but I feel like it's an excellent tool for mothers and caregivers. Thank you. That was, that was beautiful. And what a powerful story, really. You know, I, we, I met you because we had you on our pause retreat in Maine and you guided us through a beautiful poetry workshop on the beach and it was all mothers in attendance as well and what what your poetry friend did to you there in that bookshop do you want to do that for my listeners and and tell them that poetry is for everybody and it's not intimidating and it's not something to shy away from but something I I, I think in the retreat you said we are all poets um so if you could maybe give us permission to be poets too and share your beautiful um, principles. I don't want to take them away right now, but you have these beautiful principles. How do Oh, I yeah. yeah. So yes. I appreciate that. 
Absolutely. Well, I'll start by saying that any person who can hear my voice right now, you're a poet. If that is a definition that you want for yourself, done deal. Beautiful. We're all human beings. Our brains were designed to create. Um, Sometimes that takes the form of quintessential art as we know it. Sometimes it takes the form of um, math or science or simply being able to bake a really great loaf of bread, but we're all makers. We're all creative souls. And if writing is the way that you want to express that need to create and connect dots, then you're already a poet. How wonderful. Um, I think it's incredibly important for mothers and caregivers to understand that we exist within systems that that were started and now are rooted in this idea that we are not already creators, that we have to learn how to be a poet. We need to learn what a poem looks like or what it should sound like, but a poem gets to be whatever you want it to be. So. I always want to offer up the invitation that your photo could be a poem, your dinner could be a poem, the way you're raising your children could be a poem. And if you just want to write about that in the simplest of terms, that's it. And it's needed. It's necessary, not just for you connecting with yourself, but there are other people who would benefit from reading about your experience, from knowing your story. Um, so that's the invitation I offer. and. I'm really into the word invitation right now because I'm learning about human design and I learned that I'm a projector and <laughs> the invitation is very important for me. Um, so if anyone else is a projector and needs that invitation, there you go. Um, but I have written out some principles that my art unfolds within um, and I can read those now and I'll warn you, there's a FedEx person here. So if my dog starts barking, it's all good. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> okay. That's the life so my, of a mother poet. Oh my gosh. Amen. There's always noise. I can't believe it's been quiet for 15 minutes now. Oh, all right. My work as an artist unfolds under the following principles. Poems are everywhere and constantly unfolding. Beauty is a necessity. The creation of art in any format, even without recognition or validation, is an ultimately worthwhile endeavor. One needn't travel to far off places to experience magic or growth. Our artistic processes benefit from and deepen with a mindful approach. And connecting with others on this path is integral to both individual and collective mental, emotional, and spiritual well being. Beautiful. And what is it that you always say? You say, I think, um, notice it, write it, share it. Yeah, it's, Anyone. this is kind of like a new mantra and I'm thinking about like tattooing it on my wrist. <laughs> so live the poem, live. write the poem, revise the poem and share the poem. Oh, I and I this. think, yeah, it's the sharing that's really hard, right? Because yes. like, our brains are wired for connection, but our nervous systems get kicked in, kicked on rather, um, because man, seeking validation is scary, especially um, when we think like mothers already have a hard enough time making friends. At least I have. I know a lot of other people who say the same. 
And so putting our work out there can feel so, you know, cringy, scary. What if no one likes it? What if I sound ridiculous? But I have found even in sharing like my worst poems, my roughest first drafts, someone has reached out and I'm talking virtually here, not so much in person, but virtually I have made true friendships just from sharing one Instagram post, just from sharing one Substack. I have friends that like I communicate with daily with voice memos now and photos and like wherever we find the poem, we share it with one another. And so I truly believe that there are people out there who would benefit from your poem. I actually have recently started to every time I receive a message about the podcast or about my writing, I'll take a screenshot and I put it in a little folder and the folder is like love notes because in those moments where it gets really hard, like where the sharing part feels so daunting, I have somewhere to go and just say, no, actually, these are the people like, this is why I'm doing this work today. Like this is why I'm, I'm making myself vulnerable and I'm throwing it out there anyways, right? Despite everything. So I know you touched a little bit on this, on this earlier, but how would you say that particularly for mothers, poetry is so healing and can be such a beacon of light, both the writing and the reading and the sharing and talking about it. And then even, you know, gathering around poetry. I just think, I know I have a lot of opinions about this, but I, I really would like to hear how you feel poetry has, has changed or influenced your motherhood and vice versa. Mm, yes. Okay. Um Quick aside, I love that folder idea that you just shared. And I think I'm going to have to do that because it's good to have your wins all in one place where you can revisit them. Um, Okay. So. mm, I've felt a little bit like an imposter lately because um, I've struggled to find time to write. And this is why I've gotten very clear on my own four-step process of poetry, the live the poem, write it, revise it, share it. Because as mothers, there are so many avenues here to touch on. Um, We are predominantly the unpaid, undervalued caregivers that keep capitalist systems moving forward and advancing. And what that means is we do not have the support that we need and how that shows up in our daily lives can look a million different ways. But what it looks like for me is I just don't have time to write. I have to get ready for work. I have a dinner to get on the table. I have a child to put to bed. I'm exhausted at the end of the day. You know, there's a million other things in there that I'm not even touching on the meal planning and yada, yada. And that's not to say that my partner doesn't do his fair share, but we do have rather quintessential roles in our relationship right now. And we're kind of working on um, making it a more even playing field around here. But all that is to say that like, I'm not writing a lot of poems right now. And so I want to focus on living the poem and noticing it and letting that be enough. I want to focus on revising what I've already written. Um, And I want to focus on sharing what I've already written. Um, 
And so there are these seasons, right? I kind of want to like bring in a seasonal model of like, it's not always summer and it's not always winter. Kind of like Catherine May's work, wintering. Sometimes you're wintering in the middle of summer. Sometimes you're just living the poem and you don't need to write it. And that's okay. And it doesn't make you any less of a poet or a writer or a creative individual. It just means that your skills are needed elsewhere. And to this end, this is kind of why I started this group, Tending the Depths, for mothers to come together and write and share poems, because I think that outlet is necessary to create space, to have a concentrated hour every month where you come together and you know you're going to hear poems that are inspiring and you know you'll have an opportunity to write and get something down on paper. But if we're focusing on actually writing poems, there are the forms of sento and zui hitsu. And those are two forms that I have come to really love. Sento is where you take things that are already written. Like say I were to take this book by Britt Washburn and flip through and just pick words and phrases that I love and then weave them together and create something entirely new. If your brain is fried, if you don't, if you feel like you don't have time, it's just great to find the things that are already inspiring you and bring them together and make something out of it. It's still unique. It's still creative. It's a process. Um, and then Zui Hitsu is similar. You're collecting fragments from everywhere and turning them into something. So I especially love Zui Hitsu in my own practice because I take everything. I'm talking journal entries from five years ago, uh, the grocery list that I just found at the bottom of my purse, but it reminds me of a special time in life. Uh, the photo of my child last week when she learned a new yoga trick. Um, all of these things I compile and I put together and it becomes a body of work, right? So like we shouldn't overlook the little things that are actually monumental, kind of like that grocery list, using that as fodder, as inspiration for a piece of work. It's the same when you're meal planning for your family or you're cooking dinner or whatever else. It's easy to focus on the right now, like, oh, this is nothing. I just need to get this done. But what you're doing is so impactful for your entire community and for these systems to continue moving forward. So I feel like there are these like, those are some big overarching themes, but those are the the dots that I just keep connecting um, these days. I'm thinking heavily about it, that there's there's magic in stirring the soup for your family, you know, even as it's daunting and even as you've done it for the 10,000th time and you're bored with it and you would just rather be doing anything than making dinner, it still serves such an immense purpose that gets overlooked. I love this. I feel like I'm having you on for my own healing. Because <laughs> um, I think you're just so wise and and this, you know, just live it. That's something that really keeps popping up for me right now too. I find myself continuously on the brink of absolute overwhelm and, and just being overworked, overworked and underpaid. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. And, and I've been trying to give myself permission to step back and slow it down, but it's hard, right? When you're creative as we all are, but if you really identify with that part of yourself, mm -hmm then it gets really tricky like to to slow that down and find contentment in the mundane 
So I, I love that sentence. I might just actually put it on my little pin board here next to my desk. Ah, yeah, I have one. I call it my, um, my mood board. I have that too. So what do you think? Like if some others are listening and they're like, okay, I am inspired, I'm intrigued. Um, but they've never once in their life picked up poetry before. They may be just completely overwhelmed and intimidated and don't have the, the brain space, right? The mental load to now think about, okay, where do I start? Where do I begin? What do you suggest? I, from my end, I just recently went into a, into a bookstore that was entirely a bookstore of poetry in Seattle. And I walked in and I felt so overwhelmed by like shelves upon shelves of just poetry. And I just said, lady, lately feathers and birds speak to me, please pull a book for me. And she did. And I walked out with three books and they're all like, you know, some touch me, some poems have touched me more than others, but yeah. So that's, that's what I did. Do you have any other suggestions to just Hot dog. I'm going to do that. That's such a great idea. I love it. And birds are coming up for me lately too. So well done. What a beautiful practice that you just did. Um, I would say kind of similar to what I touched on, um, but a little different. So I was raised Catholic and I used to do what I call Bible dipping. I think that's like a common term for it, but you close your eyes, you ask a question, you open the Bible and you stick your finger on a page. Um, what I do now as an adult is I just take whatever books are inspiring me. Like here I've got, um, I've got like the dirt gems Oracle book and I've got Mark Nepo's things that join the sea and the sky. And I'll just like open both, maybe ask a question before I do so. Maybe not open it up, stick my finger on a page and see what I find. And then I would just weave those things together or I would free write, um, maybe set a timer for five minutes and just see what comes up from the fragment that's just been presented to you in any old book. Sorry about that. So um, that's for the writing. And I think that's a super helpful tip, but how would you say like, if you want to read poetry and oh. you are just looking for a place to start? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so personally, I find that my mind likes accessible poetry. I don't want, I don't want things buried. I don't want like a ton of context. And I also don't want really long poems. It's just not where I'm at in life these days. I need short, concise, and beautiful. And not all poems are beautiful or about beauty. Poems are about literally everything. So I like modern poetry. I like a lot of female writers, go figure. Um, So I'll just share a couple that are really impactful for me that I think are accessible and um, share some really great themes. Uh, Kate Bear, a lot of people know her. Uh, Her last name is B-A-E-R, I think. Um, And she writes about the female experience and motherhood a lot. Um, And Linda Gregg is fantastic. Um, let's see, there's always Mary Oliver and I feel like everyone's heard of Mary Oliver at this point. Um, so I don't want to say the same old thing, but also like her work is just so magnificent. And if you like nature, I can think of no better writer. If you want to like be with poetry and nature at the same time, uh, Lucille Clifton is, ah, man, like 
her writing is absolutely beautiful. Um, she has a New Year's poem that I'm forgetting the name of now. I think, did you and I just message about it? Yeah, I'll have to find I, it. I used, like, I heard it when we did the the journaling session with poetry. That's right. George, yes. And then I, mm-hmm. I did actually like a, a winter night gathering for some local mamas and I read it there. Mm, I wish I lived near you. <laughs> it sounds so lovely. And in person, that's, that's special. Yeah. Um, and I would say like in my experience, um, if what you're reading makes you feel like you should have written it yourself, if it makes you feel like like you're doing something wrong or you're not good enough, or if any shoulds pop up for you, it's probably not the poetry for you. Cause I know there are a lot of poets on social media now. And, um, oftentimes I get distracted. Um, so many good poems out there, but sometimes I'm led down this path of like, I should be writing poems like that. And the minute I should on myself, I'm like, I don't need to engage with this right now. That's okay. It can be beautiful. It can serve someone else. So I just want to like sprinkle that on top of the names that I've just shared. If you read any poems that make you should, you don't need it. Right. That, oh my God, you just completely, that is profound. (laughs) (laughs) Because, because it is right. Like, so we, we move this, online space and it's wonderful like you said you know there's especially for mothers like there's beautiful ways to connect but then it's also this environment where I felt like a couple years ago when we came to places like Instagram we felt like we're showing up to build community and we're here for a little bit of learning but now every time I go on it's like a million suggestions for e-courses and and it makes me continuously feel Like, I don't know anything about anything. Yeah. And we're already existing within a system that wants us to believe that, right? Patriarchy, capitalism, like those systems benefit from quote unquote, small players who are doing the unseen unpaid labor, but our brains are not wired to take in all of this information, to take in all of this art. And so I've found in my own practice that sometimes sometimes I'm just too inspired by other people and I need to like take a little break. And so like, I never get offended if like people unfollow me or like stop responding to messages or whatever. I just understand that like, we've all got different stuff going on, not only physically in our homes and our lives, but mentally and emotionally in our hearts, like there isn't room for everything. Right. And sometimes if we're comparing ourselves or judging ourselves, like that should always be a permission slip to just say, I need some space. Maybe I'll be back. And maybe I won't. And that's okay because our brains were not wired for all of the stimuli. Yeah. Thank you for that. So I actually wanted to also suggest like another beautiful poet, and her name is Kat Farrell Dave. Oh. <laughs> and I would, love, I would love for you to, um, to read one of your own pieces to end this interview. Okay. So it's funny. You asked me this before we met and I was like, Oh God, what am I going to read? Cause I still get that like imposter syndrome. Um, but I invite it to the table. All is welcome. 
so I had written this very rough draft and then I was reading the poem that we began with at 63, my mother. And I realized that the first line of this poem actually needed to be the title. So this poem that I've written is called at 65, my mother. She speaks to me of being irrelevant, invisible. I drive past the orchard on my way to work. Early January, ruby red apples hang from each tree, frozen ornaments from last season, left to rot or become rich soil for next year's harvest. These are the choices only we can make. Beautiful. Thank you. Still a rough draft, but I don't know. Very- that's that's uh, that's a decent rough draft I'd say (laughs) thank you for giving me the opportunity to say it out loud because that's something that I forget to do it's important to read your poems out loud share it share it it. say it out loud Kat um, one last question um now that our our hearts have like have been open do you have hope for the world Oh, my answer for that changes daily. And uh, your question is bringing tears to my eyes. So I know there's some truth sitting. I have hope for our children. And that hope exists because of mothers. It exists because of this conversation that you and I have had and our other conversations that we've had in private. And it exists because of these connections that I'm making. Because if it weren't for those connections, I think I'd be adrift in a sea of despair. So I am incredibly grateful to be able to witness you doing your work as a mother, as a creative artist, as a poet yourself. And I'm grateful for every caregiver that I interact with because our children are the future and we're in charge of that future, right? There's my hope. Thank you. (laughs) Ed, do you want to quickly um, share about tending the depths and anything else you would like to, I want to give you some space to promote your beautiful work. Oh, thank you. I just, I'm so enjoying your Substack. Um, <laughs> I was so grateful for everything that you wrote throughout, um, like leading up to the solstice. That was just beautiful. Um, yes. Yeah, so I, I'm actually backing away from online work a little bit for the sake of my mental health, but I am running Tending the Depths. So our group of mother writers and poets. We come together once a month virtually to write together. Um, I offer prompts, which another missive should be reaching you today. Um, And basically we just talk about living the poem. We write together, we read together, and we share what's inspiring us. And uh, I also, so that, that group Tending the Depths is housed on Substack for the time being. Um, And then I also have a personal newsletter on Substack called The Poetry Journals, where I just talk more about living life as a poet. So those would be my two my two places. And it's all on Substack for now. Perfect. I um, 
I'm a subscriber and I am Antonina Deft. So if you're listening and you love what cats and you love what I'm saying, like join us, join us. Oh, join us. Come right <laughs> with us. Yes. And I, I just can't wait to see you again in that group. And oh, I, it fills my cup. I just love chatting with you, Ava. It's, it's always beneficial, necessary, impactful time when I get to sit in your presence. So thank you. Likewise. I know it's just a simple word. It's all I got. <laughs> I'm, you know, like, I don't know how to pack it all in, in, a, in a better word. Just likewise. Kat. Thank you so much for coming on with me today. Um, yeah. And making time. Much gratitude. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope that this episode left you inspired to seek a slower, more intentional life. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave me a review, let me know where you like to listen to my podcast, or write to me. And most importantly, tell all your friends about milk and coffee. For more nourishing lifestyle inspiration, supportive mindset shifts, and all the coziness, follow me on Instagram at ava.maria.smith and subscribe to my Substack called Milk and Coffee. Or go to my webpage, www.avamariasmith.com. I would love to talk more. Remember, slow living is a journey, and I'm here for you. Take a deep breath now and seek the beauty of this day. How lucky are we to be alive? <laughs>